The, uh, I'd like you to turn, if you would, this morning to um, Acts chapter 5. And uh, if, do we have Bibles if people don't have Bibles? If we don't share or something. But look at Acts chapter 5 this morning. And um, we're going we're gonna to read in a few minutes from verse 17. There is something that's uh, inside of all of us that's important to be able to talk about as we talk about this subject this morning. And here's what it is. We all have within us a need to want to define life. You probably remember when you were a, a child, there, there were certain times uh, maybe that as something really cool or really took place in your life that you went, this is it. This is life. Do you have one right now as I say that to you? Some moment in time, some experience that you had with maybe your friends, your family, your woman, your man. Maybe. There was those times that you would just say, this is it, man. This is, this is life. And of course, for me, for those of you that will indulge me, many of those moments for me happen on a golf course with my father. And obviously those moments are made more special now that my father's not here. So literally a lot of times every time I go to the golf course, I will remember things that took place on the golf course with my father. And we were we had a very unique relationship and many times the golf course was really not as much about the game as much as it was just about he and I connecting. And I can remember on many nights on, in, in Michigan when we were working together, I was an associate pastor and he was the pastor of the church and he'd look at me and he'd say at about you know 4.35, let's go out and play nine before we go home. And sometimes we'd do that and those were great, but the nights that I remember were the nights that we'd, we'd, we'd try to play nine at about 6.37 at night and we'd get to the final nine at the, about the final last two holes when the sun was just setting. And the lightning bugs came out. Right? And it was quiet. And it was good. And it was just he and I. Talking about good things. So many times where he'd look at me and he'd just say, Hey, I got a a few things I want to challenge you with. I want to talk with you about you and Shelly. We had the kind of relationship where I just, I said, Yeah, great. What do you have to say? You know? It's beautiful. And I can remember getting in the car and, and just wanting so badly to go, why couldn't, maybe we could have played 12 holes. I wanted to hang on to the moment. Have you ever had any of those? Where you just said, this is it. This is, this is I exist right now in this place. And it's, it's so beautiful and it's so good and it's so just deep inside of you. Right? And that, that really is something very, very unique in how we're made as people. And many people will tell you that some of those things that you get, some of these little pangs of wanting to define life, are just the thing that God's put inside of you there to give you a little glimpse of heaven. To give you a little glimpse of the eternity that you're going to spend forever with me, with your family, with your wife, with your man, with your woman, with your friends with whatever, it's going to be good. But one of the interesting things about this whole piece is 
sometimes we can take life and we can try to define it a little differently too. And sometimes when we do that, we get caught up in a little bit of a mess. But I want to talk to you about life today because this verse has a lot to do with that topic. Look there at verse 17 of chapter 5. Look there where it says, we're not going to read this whole piece of chapter 5 because I'm just going to pick on one verse. And I'd like you, I'd like, I, I want to comment, you, you to comment with me today on a few things that I want to ask you about. But look where it says there in verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the parties of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles. The reason why they were filled with jealousy is because, remember, that the apostles before this time, they were healing many. Many great miraculous works were happening within the Acts church. Now, remember, Ananias and Sapphira uh, just just were uh, basically stricken dead by the Lord. So there are many crazy and, 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 and not... And, you know, beautiful things going on, <clears throat> excuse me, beautiful things going on in the church. So that's, that's what's going on. Now the apostles work into this kind of this time where they're going to really be persecuted for their faith. And, and, and the trajectory here is, is really, it gets to be a struggle. There's, there's a lot of struggles in God planning his church with these people. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But in, and that's something you wouldn't associate if the Lord said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I really want to plant my church and, and great things are going to happen. Well, great things did happen, but also, uh, prisons happened too and suffering happened too. And that, that's a little indicator to let us know about how life really is. But during the night, an angel of the Lord, verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail. You've heard this story and brought them out. Uh, verse 20. And this is what I wanted to pick on. This is so interesting to me. This, this, just this, this verse. The angel says to them this, go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. And you know the rest of the story. They went out and did that. Uh, the guard came in, tried to find them. If they were there, they weren't there. And then they, they, they end up getting taken into the court. And uh, they end up actually um, getting beaten for this. But the interesting thing that I wanted to pick on today was this. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Go and stand. Why, did they, why should they stand in the temple? Why should they stay? Why did he tell them to go stand in the temple? Any ideas? How about this? This was where a lot of the people were. Believe it or not, at that time, it was where a lot of people congregated and were. And so God said, go to where the people are. And there's some real similarity with us now, too, in that, right? We're to go to where the people are. We're not to be just this kind of this holy hospital thing, right? We're to be the church, but the church is to go where the people are. So the church isn't the building. The church is actually us, and we're going to where people are. And then look what he says there. When he says, tell them the full message of this new life. Boy, we could talk a lot about that. And that's what I want to pick on today. And I only have a couple for you. There are many that we could come up with. But what is the full message of this new life? What is this full message about? Tell them the full message of this new life. This new life, right? Well, I want to talk with you this about... The first thing that this message is about as we're communicating life is this message is about communicating, and this is important for you and I to get, it's about someone. 
And it's not about something. This life isn't about something. This is about someone. Okay? Now, this someone, let me put this caveat here. It's about the right someone. That'll make sense in a minute. Who's the someone we're talking about? As we talk about the message of this new life, the someone that we're talking about is Christ himself. Right? When they say go to tell them the message of this new life, we're going to tell them about a someone. We're going to tell them about our Christ, our Christos. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? What? The life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 10.10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The Greek word for this is zoe. It's the feminine version of the Greek word. Zoe means life. Jesus is the life giver. And 37 times in the New Testament, it's a synonym for Jesus himself. It's life, but it has much more to do with just this synonym. It's the fact that Jesus actually, when you read through the scriptures, you find that Jesus is actually saying, I am your life. I'm going to be your whole life. I'm the center, the, the, the margins and everything to it. That's what's kind of being communicated here. Jesus as the center. Jesus says you don't have to worry about going and defining life anymore. You don't have to go and answer, answer the question or ask the question, is this it? Is this life? Jesus came on the scene and spread his arms and said, this is life. This is life. And I say that because it's important that when we communicate to our world, because this angel here says, go and communicate to the world the full message of this life, and whether we want to accept it or not, we are messengers of a, me- of, of a message. I mean, we, we, we say we live in our world, and so when we're here, we're communicating someone. And what I, why I wanted to say the right someone is that there is someone that we can communicate as we communicate this message of life there is someone we can communicate that is not the right someone who would be the wrong someone i communicate thoughts how about me (laughs) i'm the wrong someone do you follow let me build on it for, for a minute the right someone is jesus the wrong someone would be me. Now follow the diagram. Jesus is the center. Or I can be the center. And when we communicate this message, and when we live out this message, we're trying to communicate the fact that I am not the center. But you know what? I've got to confess to you today, and maybe you'd sit in a circle and confess with me too. I'm the center. Or I want to be. I want to say that what who I am, what I'm about, is about life. 
Think about it. Have you ever had this? Have you ever dealt with this before? See if you can relate to this. We have such a deep pension to, first of all, want to be right. Isn't that true? Um, it's, when you get in, in you know, I, I'm married, you know that. I have four girls. And it's amazing to me how many conversations we have in the house about right. It's, 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 it's just off the charts. And it's amazing to me how little girls that are 15 years old think they know more than a 49 grown man, me. Of course, they want to be right. And I find myself arguing about, I've told you this before, the stupidest of details possible. Because I want to be right. Why do I want to be right? Why do we want to be right? Come on, help me out. Pride. Pride. What, what's pride all about? What's that all about? Me? Yeah, right. Keep going. Making ourselves more important and better. Why do we want to do that? Why is it pride? How about this one? I just, I, I found myself saying this to uh, Randy this last week. I just want to be heard. I'm not, I, you know, and, and, and you guys follow this with me. Wait for, for a minute. It's amazing to me the absolute complexity that I build my, my life on. On, on, on these things. Well, and I t- told Randy, I, you know what? I can deal with a lot of crap. I don't think I used that word at that point. I can deal with a lot of crap and all this stuff, but I just want to be heard. And that, my friend, is a life philosophy. And the life philosophy is, I want to be right. I want to be heard. The whole world orbits around Joel's son. Right? Beaming out. I want to be right. I want to be heard. I want my way. (laughs) Shelly left for Colorado Saturday. She's there for two weeks. I was just telling these guys. She's there for two weeks. I'm by myself for two weeks. (laughs) Yesterday, it was like unbelievable. (laughs) I could, I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm free. Um, I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> Guess what I did? Yeah, play golf. Watch golf. That's true, Carly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And here's what was the most amazing to me is I got to go home and I got to sit in my man cave and the only person I had to relate to was my dog. And I told her, go to bed. Just go to your bed because I want to flick. And I got to watch, and, the, and men, we don't watch one channel. We watch many, and it's a beautiful thing about us, by the way. <laughs> Women celebrate it, love it, way more than you do. We can't watch the shows, we just, you know, basketball, golf, all kinds of places, and it was beautiful. But I was, I, as I thought about that, and I thought about the sermon, I thought, it's amazing, the superstructure of my life, and how much I want my way, I want to be heard, I want to do my things. Just think about it. 
the way that I'm even relating to, to people in my life is about what I like and my personality and how strong I am. And I'm a type A and I'm a high D and I'm, I'm an I'm, 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 I'm. Do you follow what I'm saying? And here's what I want to tell you. The, the terrible thing is about this is that the message of me does not travel anywhere. Do you follow that? It doesn't travel into spiritual territory, into the spiritual territory of hearts. It doesn't travel into my world. It's what everybody talks about, and it's one of the reasons why your neighbors don't know enough about what this God's all about, because we're just the same. We are, we have placed a God at the center of our lives, and the God is us. It doesn't travel. It doesn't transcend. And what Jesus is saying when he comes and he says this, he says, it's not about you. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the bread of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, this is what he's saying. It's not about you, it's about me. You see, Jesus changes everything about our lives. I can lay down my having to be right because, Jesus, I want you to be right. I want, Jesus, I can lay down my right to be heard because I want you to be heard. Do you follow? I want you to have your way. Somebody asked me this last week. They said, what do you think about what's going on with, you know, is the, they wanted to talk about the church and, and you know, what, what would you like the church to be? And I, I just thought, are you kidding me? I'm such a selfish, wrecked person. Like that song we sang, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm a wanderer. I wander away. How could I ever tell God his plans? God, you're going to do what you're going to do with us, aren't you? And I know that I, I, I in some way have to work that through with the Lord, but it's amazing to me how many things come back to, like I said, me. This is an interesting quote that I wanted you to hear today. It comes from the book, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And he said this, will you please hear this? Because this really, this really cut me this week. And here's what it says. Spiritual formation is God's grace filled process by which a person moves from self-worship to Christ-centered self-denial as an increasingly steady disposition of the heart. Think about that. We're moving from self-worship. So he's actually making quite a presupposition, and that's that we actually do, we actually hold up ourselves as idols. And I believe it's true. It's not just selfish anymore, guys. You've heard enough sermons about selfishness. I think it's the, I think it goes way deeper than that. It's the fact that we literally have crafted the golden calf. And the golden calf is the person I look at in the mirror in the morning. Think about it. How many of you right now, and I'm not saying this to give you guilt, how many of you right now, please hear me, I'm not trying to lay guilt on you. How many of you right now, if I told you, well, we need to, we need 25 of you to do something right now for the church, to clean 25 toilets on Monday night at 10 o'clock, we would immediately be going to our iPhones or our whatever phones and checking the schedule. A lot of us wouldn't, though. 
A lot of us don't want to do that. That's not my gifted area. That's not something I want to do. Well, maybe it's something that God wants you to do. That's the concept of what's being communicated here. Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? Listen to this. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Jesus is the center. He's the life giver. But what would it look like? Let me stop and ask you a question. What would it look like for you and for me to move from self-worship in our lives? Think about this now for yourself. What would it look like for us as people to begin living this truth out in actuality to move from self-worship to Jesus in our lives? What would it look like? Any, any, any thoughts? What would that actually look like for us? Is that just some great esoteric, great theological whatever statement? What would it look like? What would it look like to put Willard's quote into practice? Spiritual formation is God's grace-filled process by which a person moves from self-worship to Christ-centered self-denial. So we're actually talking about moving from from self-worship to self-denial. What would it mean? Any thoughts? Okay. Yeah, that hurts. What do you think? It's a hard message, isn't it? It's 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 difficult to hear it because because when when they when he when the angel comes and says go and tell them the full message of this new life, hey guys, this is part of the full message. There's a lot of things to speak in this full message. It's not all about just God's love and grace and mercy. We're all good and everything's great. It's not. There's a lot more to it. And this is the stuff that when you start getting into these territories, it's very difficult for us. To actually move from a stage where I it's not about me into Christ. I've created an idol. And the idol is me. It's a good thing to think about. Second thing is this. When we think about the full message, we're thinking about the right someone that we're communicating. We're thinking about moving out of ourselves into more of what Jesus has for us. Into denying ourselves and walking a different path in our lives. And we actually believe that. I mean, and that's that would be a very interesting conversation between us. That we actually believe that and we actually do it. The second thing is this. There's a great struggle the Bible speaks about there's this great struggle underway. Do you know where this comes from? The Lord of the Rings. I knew you'd know that, Matt. <laughs> if, that, if that were a true statement, how would the Christian change that statement? Anybody? Would there be anything we would change? Because there's... There's a lot of that that is very true about us in our lives. Is this true about our lives? Fate has chosen him. Has fate chosen us? We're not in philosophy 101 at Belmont. We're at church, so 
fate hasn't chosen us. Who's chosen us? God has chosen us. It's one of the cornerstones of our theology. It's beautiful that God has chosen us. Is this true about us? A fellowship will protect him. Is it true? Come on. Is it true? Is it supposed to be true? Maybe I should ask it that way. Is it supposed to be true that a fellowship will protect us? It's supposed to be, isn't it? Many of us feel, though, even in this room, unprotected. Welcome to the church in all of its mess. Is this true? Evil will hunt him. You know it's true. You ever been scared to death? I, when I was younger, loved to scare my sister. Just something that we loved to do. And we, uh, she had a slumber party over one night with all the girls. And so mom and dad leave and my brother and I were very mischievous. We were incorrigible, actually. And uh, we had decided that uh, all the girls got around and they went to they were going to watch a scary movie. And we got our buddies and we were going to shut the power down in the house and uh, just see them, just see what was going to happen, react, no big deal kind of thing. And then my brother had a loud air horn, you know, that one, you know, like that. And. So we had this thing. It was, it was unbelievable. It was like, you know, ninja warriors. You know, we just dressed in black. We thought it was all great. So at the same time that we shut the power down in the house, he has like 10 friends over there. We, we decided to open the door and blow this horn. And I had, I just had no idea of the kind of mayhem that would ensue. I, I literally just went, you know, this is just going to be fun kind of thing. As soon as we shut it down, we blow the horn. We hear just unbelievable screaming. I mean, this screaming was the worst you could ever hear. It's the piercing. It would kill a dog. I mean, it would just, God, and these girls, and, and I, and my brother looks in, and they're, they're up and running into each other. <laughs> like a Pac-Man <laughs> game. And they're just, oh my gosh, you know, like that. And one girl runs straight into the wall. I mean, boom, like this. Gets up. <laughs> Blood coming out. They're, they're trying. Where's the laser? I'm bleeding. You know. And then of course we got a major trouble. You know. <laughs> this kind, this concept of this idea that there's this struggle going on, that there's this dark thing going on, that there's something bigger in our lives. Follow the concept. There's something bigger in our lives going on. Is is a massive biblical concept. That we don't pay much attention to. After someone watched the Fellowship of the Ring, they said this. I think we've just gotten a clearer view of our reality than we usually see. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. John 10.10 also said this. The thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And I have come that you may have life. John, you know, first John five says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that there are two kingdoms that live in the world, the kingdom of light and darkness. 
and that Satan is in control of that kingdom of darkness only underneath God's permissive sovereign control, as I've told you before. But there is a battle. Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against the rulers, powers, and principalities of this dark world. Let me ask you something. Do you and I think in these categories at all? Are we aware anymore? Is this just something that's kind of hit on in seminars or it's not hit on too much probably in our specific denomination? It's hit on specifically in others. Why don't we talk about it more? Because the Bible's clear. Satan was even permitted to go and tempt Jesus. Paul says that there's this great struggle going on. Peter talks about it. Listen to this quote as it talks about this whole concept of this battle that we're in, this struggle that we're in. I love this Lewis quote. He says this. I'd like you to respond to it if you would. I'd like to ask your comment on it. i got about another five minutes. Do you think I'm trying to weave a spell, he says? Perhaps I am. But remember your fairy tales. Spells are used for breaking enchantments as well as for inducing them. And you and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness which has been laid upon us for hundreds of years. Is he right? Make a comment. What do you think about that quote? Let me read it again. Do you think I'm trying to weave a spell? Perhaps I am. But remember your fairy tales. Spells are used for breaking enchantments as well as for inducing them. And you and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness which has been laid upon us upon us for a hundred years. Is that what worldliness does? Is that what this going, what's going on in the world? That we're kind of enchanted by it? We're kind of like mesmerized by it? But we really don't know that there's a great struggle that truly is going on? That Satan is an actual real being? And that we're really in it? It's really interesting to talk about. What has happened with our way of seeing? How has it become lost? Our way of seeing is actually the thing that gives us purpose and meaning in life. That there's a great battle and struggle going on. And some of the things that many of you are feeling right now, you're feeling because there's a great battle and struggle going on for your heart. And Satan has been let loose under God's permissive control. And I don't know why God decided to do it this way. But we're in a battle. And it's important for us to recognize. It's important for us to see it. That this is a part of our struggle in this life is that we're in it, guys. And many of us are in it. And the worst thing that could possibly be happen, happen is it has actually happened, which is this. A lot of us are in it all by ourselves and nobody knows. I would give you an encouragement. And here's what the encouragement is. Find a church. Get involved in a community of believers that you're going to give your life to and go for it. And get ready for the messy journey. But please, don't, don't do the church hop thing that's real popular in Nashville. Find a church. Don't, I don't even care if it's this one. Find a body of believers that you can go to and you can get at least some of this. Because this is happening. It is. It's real. 
And I'm facing it every week as I talk to many of you personally about what's going on in your, in, in your life. And it's amazing to me how, how the majority of you still don't have people in your life that will protect you and love you and pray for you. It's important for us to hear that message. The last one is this. Let me close with this. Not only is it write someone a great struggle, but we have a crucial role to play. And many of us don't believe that we have a crucial role to play because our days have become very, very, very ordinary. We've lost the meaning of our days, somebody has said. It all withers down to fast food and bills and voicemail and point paying the mortgage. Husbands traveling. I work over here. This is what goes on. It's kind of this rote thing. <coughs> By the way, church becomes that too. Church becomes just this thing I go to. I just kind of, I try to go to the, you know what a lot of us do church is a lot of us come to church because church is kind of the spiritual buffet. So we go and we gorge ourselves and get big bellies for the day. But we don't go home and we don't spend those long walks with the Lord on our interior life. We don't deeply pray. I know I don't. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, we're not in the word. You know, somebody told me yesterday a brilliant quote. He said this, you know, when church is the worst for me, church is always dry and boring when I'm not, when I'm not even communing with the Lord all week. It's just so out of context. It's nothing. It's like filling my, my mouth with marshmallows on, on, on Sunday. And I think a lot of us do that. But many of us don't think we have a crucial role because we've been caught up by the ordinariness of it all. We're not anything special. Many of us, because of our past, think, how could God use me in the great struggle? But the fact of the matter is that the Lord says that we are light bearers, we are truth sayers, we are hope givers, we're peacemakers. And for many of you, the story of your life, listen now, because I'm just about closing, but many of you need to hear this quote. For many of you, the story of your life has been that of a long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be, and he fears it, and that's Satan. And many of you have succumbed to the brutal battle. You've been taken out and given up. And I want you to know, sons and daughters, that's not God's plan. God's plan for you is to be a daughter and a son who's actively involved in what God wants to do in this world, in this kingdom of light. Wherever you're at, if you're in the music industry, if you work at a school, if you work as a lawyer, if you work down there at Miami, you are called to bring the kingdom of light to that place. And God will use you in a very miraculous way. And a lot of His work is very unseen. There's all kinds of struggle going on that you'll never know about. It's an important thing for us to hear today as we think about this full message. There's a lot more things to it as well. We think about that. Lord, thank you for this morning. It's hard for me to hear these things. I pray that my friends would know it's just as hard for me to hear the fact that uh, I've created an idol of myself. <laughs> That's difficult. I don't like to admit that. And Lord, you, you uh, as a result of what you've done for me on the cross, I can come to you as a son and even repent of that. I can confess it. Lord, I pray that uh, you would um, give us the strength to 
uh, walk away from the mirror of ourselves. I pray, Lord, that we would begin a path of that looks a lot different than how we've lived. I know I need that. Help us, Lord, to see life a lot more clearly. Help us to know that we are in the struggle, that there is a fight, that there is a battle, and that you're the Lord. And Lord, help us. Gird up your warriors this morning. And Lord, for those that feel even this morning that they're useless, that even this morning they're in sin, and because they're in sin, they would feel that there's no chance of redemption for them. Lord, speak your redemption over them this morning. For many of us who don't feel protected and disenfranchised in the community, Lord, give us eyes to see what you would have us do next, ears to hear. Open our hands, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds towards what you have for us. In your name, amen.